Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of First Time Outdoors. On this week's episode, we sit down with Adrian Torgerson, the president of the Strutton Toms chapter of the NWTF in Anoka County, to discuss turkey hunting. Uh, we are back from a hiatus uh, due in large part to the COVID-19 virus that's sweeping the globe, but we were able to join Adrian via Skype and chat about the outdoors, which is a much needed therapy right now. So hope you enjoy the episode. All right, cool. Well, thanks, Adrian, for joining us. Um, if you wouldn't mind, introduce yourself to uh, to our listeners, and uh, we can kind of explain how you and I met each other recently as well. Yeah, yeah no problem. My name's Adrian Torgerson. I'm the president of the Stratton Toms chapter of the NWTF for Anoka County. Um, been working with Mike now for about nine months. Nice. Yes. Yeah, we we uh, we met each other. I started a new job, and uh, I think you were one of the first people I met, Adrian. You were wearing a—I remember you wearing a shirt that had some like hunting brand on it, and I was like, "Oh, sweet! Here we go, somebody I can talk to." And we've connected through that, and gotten out shed hunting once together, and planning other trips and stuff. It's been cool to have a a new connection and hunting buddy and person to talk to about all these cool things that we have in common yeah the outdoors definitely brought us together just from stuff at the water cooler seeing shirts seeing what you had on your um, water jug seeing stickers You're like oh, i can connect with that guy yeah right um, yeah yeah jake and i had joked about that once in the podcast before is like what else is your water bottle for except to carry all your stickers for that show all the cool things you're into. <laughs> yeah. Cool, Adrian. So, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Like Mike said, thanks for joining us. And uh, why don't why don't we talk a little bit about where your passions are lie in the outdoors? Um, kind of a big goal for us here at First Time Outdoors is to introduce people to new things and uh, just kind of reminisce on some some stories and experiences we all have in the outdoors and, and kind of broaden that. Um, perspective and share those stories with people so that they might get interested so what what are kind of some of your main things that you like to do how do you like to spend your time uh outside um i love to hunt bow hunt in particular um i've been an avid deer hunter for quite a while um started turkey hunting probably six or seven years ago and just kind of really dove into that um something great to do in the spring do a little bit of fishing here and there and just getting out for hikes and um, lately, we've been taking one trip or one trip out west, out to the mountains every year, just to kind of get that experience too. Sweet. And how, yeah, you did the you did the total archery challenge last year, right? Yep. Yeah, I did the total archery challenge. Um, the Salt or Park Lake City, just right out from Salt Lake City, uh, went with my fiance and then another buddy from work, Travis. We drove out there and road tripped and. We shot two different days, and that was just a completely different experience. Um, you're hiking up and down a mountain, taking shots out to 110 yards was the furthest one, and some really steep angles, and it really challenges you to be in shape to be a good shot. And I, I felt like I'd be prepared if I were to go on an, an elk hunt after all of that. For people that don't know, do you, do you mind explaining a little bit about what the total archery challenge is? Yeah, so the Total Archery Challenge, um, there's a few of them across the country. Um, one out to the one in Utah. They've got one in Montana, South Dakota. I think there's one in Michigan, down in Texas. Um, so there's four, three or four different courses, depending on where you go, that you can pick from. And there's about 25 3D targets. So you're shooting at like a, a full-size elk, full-size doll sheep that they have set up in strategic locations. Some of the courses you're walking kind of along a, a ski hill, so it's it's fairly well open. Some of the stuff you're kind of bushwhacking, you're going through really thick ravines, up and down mountains, and you're shooting in between trees. There's some kind of cliff shots where it's a really steep angle down, 
a really steep angle up. So it's, it really challenges you as an archer to get not only the furthest distance shots, but also those harsh angles and shooting between tight trees. Um, everyone that we were out there with lost a few arrows. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've, I've, I haven't done that. That's on my bucket list. But at, uh, I've, I've always seen like posts on Instagram of you know, various other hunters and outdoor outfitters and stuff like that that they post. And it's on my, it's on my bucket list for sure. I want to give that a try. Yeah, I definitely recommend it. Um, they've got um, – there's other archery challenges kind of like that. There's the Reinhardt R100. I've went to a few of those before. Um, have to kind of find them online. They have – those ones are more local. They've had one up far north Minnesota. They had one out in Sparta, Wisconsin. It's kind of the same concept, but it's not quite as long shots. And since it's kind of more local, you don't have those really – big mountains that you're hiking across so it's a little bit easier but it still challenges you yeah that's that sounds like a really awesome time so um as our listeners might be able to tell we're all uh podcasting through a phone call because it's the time of uh, social distancing with the coronavirus and stuff and there's a, not a lot going on other than, for me, the excitement of getting out and hunting turkeys in a, just a few short days. So Yeah, it's April 10th uh, today of recording, and it's I think we're getting all a little cooped up. It's I don't know. I've lost track of the days of the, uh, the quarantine here in Minnesota, but um, it's, you know, at some points it feels like it's going on forever, and at some points it, be- it feels like it's kind of just the beginning, so hopefully... Uh, you know, hopefully we won't have to do the social distancing too much longer, but here we are. We're trying to make do. Yeah. But yeah, the weather's turned and it's like, you know, it's, it's getting really nice out. So it, that is the one benefit that we can get, we can still get out and enjoy, uh, being outside, going for walks and things. And like you said, Mike, turkey season is, uh, coming up fast. So we thought we'd do a little conversation today about turkeys. Yeah. It kind of brings a whole new meaning to first time outdoors <laughs> after, after being inside yeah. for like six weeks straight or however long it got i don't even know how long it's been it feels like it it's probably only been a, a month but yeah it's time to get back outside and get back in the outdoors yeah so let's talk about so, turkeys a little bit so adrian you said you've been hunting for about six or seven years for turkeys how'd you get into it Um, it initially started with another different friend from work. He was an avid, um, waterfowl hunter and I was an avid deer hunter. And we was just kind of talking amongst ourselves in the, in the winter months. And we're like, Hey, you know what? Let's try out turkey hunting. Like it's, we don't have anything going on in the spring. Perfect excuse to, to get outside, um, get us kind of hunting together because he was always water, waterfowl hunting. I was always deer hunting and um, never really found the time to get together and do waterfall hunting with him or vice versa. So we figured let's try this, try this new type of hunting out and give it a shot. Um, that's a problem ahead. that Mike and I relate to a lot. We've, we've talked <clears throat> a lot about, it's hard when you have your, uh, your couple things that overlap in terms of the season and it's really hard to give up one to go pursue the other, right? Like, so you're not going to give up deer hunting <clears throat> to go waterfall hunting and, and the, you know the same goes for him it's, yeah. we all have that yeah there's only so much time in fall and unfortunately there's not enough yep yeah one of our other buddies says that a lot about turkey hunting he he hasn't been because he wants to uh you know he's a big trout fisherman and it's like spring's time for trout fishing not not hunting so yeah it's just this funny funny circumstance we all kind of fit into yeah yeah, so, um, yeah, it's similar to what Jake and I did as well. We started turkey hunting together. At the, we kind of were like, why don't we do this? Let's try to figure it out together. And that was, what, two years ago, Jake? Uh, yeah, yep. That we just, 
It was 18, like, hey, I think. We got access to some land. Let's let's go try it out. And was instantly hooked on it. So. Yeah, after the first morning when you get out in the turkey blind, or even if you're not using a blind, but just hearing the woods wake up in the spring and hearing those toms start gobbling, it's it is very addicting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of reasons why I why I enjoy it. I mean, we we talked about the there's no conflict in the spring with other things that I wanna wanna hunt. Um, and for fishing, for me, it, I primarily fish muskies, and that starts in June. Can really catch panfish all the whole year, so I'm not in a super big hurry to try to catch those in April. So it kind of just works out perfectly. Yeah, and I've heard from friends the perfect day is you go out turkey hunting in the morning, you go out after that, then you find some mushrooms, and then in the <laughs> afternoon you go out for panfish. Yeah, maybe find a shed or two while you're walking around in the woods. Yeah. Yeah. That's got to be some sort of slam, like a like a spring slam. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the other reason why I really like it is that is is a little bit more of a social thing for me. There aren't too many other opportunities that I can have to, like Jake and I, when we deer hunt together a lot, but we're not anywhere near each other. We ha- we have the time together in the truck to and from, basically. And uh, the turkey blind, you can sit basically shoulder to shoulder and talk tactics, like should we call now, or where do you think that gobble was coming from, or... Um, you know, you, or you can just, you know, have one person take a nap, which happened to us last spring. I fell asleep and (laughs) stayed awake. You know, it's like, it's just kind of a more, it's kind of a more relaxing social environment, especially after a long winter where you're excited to get outside and hear the birds chirping and watch the sun come up. So let's back up yeah. slightly here and, and let's just let's talk about what it actually looks like to hunt turkeys, just so people can yeah. get a frame of reference for what you're talking about, Mike. Adrian, can you can you kind of walk us through what a typical, uh, let's let's say a typical bow hunt in uh, the Midwest might look like for mm-hmm. turkeys in the spring? Um, with turkeys, there's tons of different tactics that you can use. You can be super aggressive, or you can be um, fairly more kind of like a stand hunter you can set up a blind and just sit wait for the turkeys to come past um i found the last few years it's pretty important to get out and scout find where those turkeys have been kind of going through day to day if you find where they roost at night you kind of have a general idea of where they're going to fly down um so i like to try to get out um when it's still super dark out before they even start gobbling um usually start gobbling about a half hour before sunrise. Um, at the same time that shooting time starts in Minnesota. Um, they usually talk amongst themselves, gobble, yelp um, in the trees, and they'll fly down. Um, I like to sit over agriculture fields. Um, they really like greens if you can get in a clover field or an alfalfa field um, or a cornfield. And they like to roost in big hardwoods. So big oak trees, um, sometimes big pine trees as well. So they roost up there at night. They fly down. They'll feed a little bit. They kind of wander around. And um, the toms are usually gobbling to call the hands to them. So when we're hunting turkeys, we're trying to kind of fight um, biology. We're acting as the hen usually. So we're yelping or clucking, cutting, um, different types of calling sequences and trying to get the tom to come to us where in nature it's usually the opposite way where the hen will go to the tom um so typically get set up kind of on a field edge close to where they're roosting um and wait for them to start calling that i call a little bit to get them interested and then if as long as i have their interest like they're gobbling back every time i call I'll just stop. That's another thing I've kind of learned over time is don't overcall. Um, kind of going with that biology thing is if you're calling, they're going to sit there and keep responding like, hey, come to me, come to me. 
But if you stop calling, that kind of piques their interest. Like, there's a hen over there. I might want to go check that out. She's not responding anymore. Um, yeah. It's playing hard to get. Yep. Yeah. That's interesting. That's uh, when you talk about biology and, like, yeah, the role reversals. As you were describing that, trying to get, you know, the the the, hat, the toms to come to you as a hen, I was just flashing back to uh, my an elk hunt that I went on where we, you know, we were being a cow and we had a bull that was, we didn't know this at the time, but he had his whole harem sort of rounded up. And what it looked like was that we were off, you know, we were a wandering solo cow and he bugled a few times. But and then we basically like ran to him, and it's like, yeah, maybe playing harder, harder to get, and going quieter, maybe would have gotten him coming to us. Um, I'm sure that's the same with turkeys. It's just yeah. it's interesting how once you get calling, it's fun to it's fun to call, and you gotta you gotta remember that you're hunting, and it's not about the <laughs> the talking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so you it's easy to get caught up in that, like, oh, it's so cool, they responded. I want to keep calling, having them keep responding. Um, but you really have to kind of fight your urge. And if you get them to respond, like I try to get two, maybe three different times and they know you're there and turkeys have amazing ears. They can pretty much pinpoint exactly where you're at. So kind of the less you call the better. So they'll know they'll come in. They know kind of right where you're at. Um, you don't want to get caught moving. Um, I suppose I should also kind of, back up in different times of the day there's kind of maybe different strategies in the morning um coming off the roost usually they're with some hens um, or the hens when they start gobbling hens will kind of come to them and as we get throughout the season um these hens will get bred they go off and they nest usually they nest in some thick cover um some long grass and further throughout the season kind of the middle of the day, say nine to noon, most of the hens are off nesting. So all the toms are kind of by themselves or with a few other toms. So usually if you get one to start responding to you in that time frame, there's a pretty good chance he's coming in because all the other hens are busy or he wants to come in and find some action. And then they kind of get back together towards the end of the day. Um, but the toms are still kind of looking to round up everybody else. So I've had success in like that 5.30 to 6.30 in the afternoon time frame as well. So they're the most talkative rate in the morning, but you can definitely have success throughout the whole entire day. That's sweet. Um, yeah, I've, I've heard, you know, I've yet to be successful. I've been out uh, two years now and, um, had some interactions, but I've heard that a lot of guys are talking about like the nine or 10 o'clock in the morning, like after they come down, it probably in that wandering stage where you can catch a, a wandering Tom. Do you, have you found that's a pretty successful sort of mid morning hour or do you typically like to get on them early or, or later in the evening? Like you said, um, I like to get on them early just because I like to hear all of the calling, um, like that interaction I've had success before sun even came up i was back at home by 7 a.m <laughs> because i had them come right into my decoys got one and walked back home um i've had them come in yeah right around that nine ten o'clock and like i said before if you get one to um, respond to you then there's a really good chance that he's coming in and then i've also had success around 5 30 um the time in particular that i can think of i was actually brought out my stepson's friend, he's really into hunting, doesn't have anybody to take him out. So I'd mentor him as much as possible. And um, he came, spent the weekend at our house. And there was a field just half a mile down the road. I've seen turkeys in quite a bit. I'm like, hey, I'm going to go ask this farmer if we can hunt there in the morning. And drove down, asked the farmer. He said, yep, go ahead. As I'm driving past that field, go back home. There's turkeys out in the field. So I get home. I'm like, Owen, get your turkey stuff on. We're going. So we sneak out there, and half hour later, we're walking back to the truck with a bird. Nice. What did he think about that? Was that his first bird? Yep. Yeah, we tried the year before. Um, same farmer, different field that we were in, and 
he was super excited. We called this one in. It was maybe an hour after sunrise. We heard him up in the trees, heard him fly down. He strutted across this field most of the way in and kind of hung up right at about 40 yards. And um, the gun we were using, I told him, you know, let's, we don't want to take a shot past 30. So we ended up having a hen come within two feet of our feet, <laughs> but the Tom didn't want to fully commit. Um, it was kind of frustrating. He super, super happy, really enjoyed it. Um, so yeah, this was the second year when he actually harvested one. Wow. So when we're, so strutting for people that don't know is kind of that, uh, I mean, kind of what people picture when a turkey's got their, their tail fan all out, like in a, basically a big half circle and they've got their wings all flared out and dragging out on the, on the ground and their feathers all puffed up. And that's, it's kind of like the, the male's way of getting the female's attention. Like, Hey, I'm over here. Check me out. Yeah. Yeah. He's showing off for the hens. Um, they have really beautiful iridescent chest feathers, um, a bright, colorful head. They can change the color of their head. Um, the color of the head means different things. Um, I'm not an expert in it, but when it's fully white, that's kind of more of a, a dominant look. When it's f- like fully red, it's kind of more of an aggressive look. But usually their head is um, red, white, and blue, kind of a mixture of all of those. Different parts of their heads are different colors, but they can completely change it to one color if they want. And yeah, that to me, that's one of the things that I was amazed by. You know, it's like deer hunting and stuff, you see turkeys, but you never have that kind of up-close interaction with them. And I was thinking about, when you were talking about that, I was thinking about that photo shoot I did for that gun company. And we had a turkey that we were using for the photos. And uh, the photographer was like, you know, asking all sorts of questions. And I, and the, one of the ladies I was with, her name's Sue, she's kind of who taught me how to bow hunt. She's like, if we're going to make this look more realistic, we need to change the color of that Tom's head. And the photographer looked at her like, what are you talking about? And she just did a couple of different like clucks and stuff. And it was like the, it was crazy how fast the head changed. It went from like a kind of a teal blue color and went to red. And she was like, there, now that looks more like it would look like in the spring if that's what you're trying to do. It was, a, it was amazing. Yeah, it's crazy how that the, just the color of the head it kind of shows what mood they're in. Um, yeah, I guess one thing we should maybe note about turkey hunting in Minnesota: the regulation is anything with a beard. So um, male turkeys they have beards when they're only a year old. They're called a jake. They'll have a short little stubby beard. Um, and then when they're two years or older, they're called a tom. Their beards can be from six inches to 14 inches or anywhere in between. Um, you can shoot either or. Um, there are times that hens can actually grow beards as well. Um, I did a little research. It's, it's actually not too rare to see a bearded hen. It, it's pretty different when you do see one, though. Yeah. I've, I've never seen one, but I last year when I shot that Tom and I called it into the DNR, that's what they asked. Like, was it a hen? I'm, was it a Tom, a Jake, or a bearded hen? Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. They must be more common than than I think if that's, like, one of the categories they have. Yeah, I had one come in the decoys before, and it was just crazy because – a hen is usually, it's kind of a duller color of a bird. It's more brown because it wants to hide when it's on the nest. Where the toms are really big and black, and then they have the iridescent feathers. Um, and you can shoot a bearded hen, but there's a little bit of stigma behind it. Because if you shoot a bearded hen, if she has a nest, you're killing all of those eggs that are on the nest. So you could potentially yeah. be killing 10 turkeys. Um, where if you shoot a tom, you're shooting one bird. Do you find it's so. difficult to identify a bearded hen versus a tom, or like would a new would a newbie oh, uh, have a hard time? Would they see the beard and think it's a tom, or is there other things we can look for? 
Um, that is, yeah, but, that's a good question. Um, like I said, the color of the bird kind of gives it away a little bit too. Um, hens are more of a brown color, where toms are more of a darker black color. You can also tell by the heads. Usually, the head on a hen is kind of a dull bluish gray color. Um, they can change the color of their head too, not quite as much as a tom. Um, and if you get them in close enough, you can see the feathers on a hen stop kind of midway up their neck where a tom, it's fully feathered all the way up their head. It's not a feather as you would kind of typically think of a feather. They're kind of more of a pin feather all the way up their head. So if you see the two side by side, you can definitely tell. Um, yeah. But if a new person had just a bearded hen come in, if you're brand new hunting, it, it might be a little bit hard if you don't know exactly what you're looking for. I just know that was always always something I was kind of uh, anxious about when I just got into hunting. I remember pheasant hunting, you know, um, in the wild. It's like, you know, you can't shoot you have to shoot, uh, you know, males. And it's like when they're roost or when they're flushing, it's like, there's a moment there where you get, it's just like, you want to make sure you're doing the right thing. Right. And, and when yeah. you don't have a comparison when they're not standing side by side, same thing with like a, Mike and I talked about that, like this year with like the size of does, like it's, it's for me, I'm pretty new to hunting. And it's like, it, if you have a solo yearling walk in, it's still a little bit like, how old is that doe? Like when there's not a lot of distinguishing features, it's, it's got a kind of hard to, to know what to look for. And especially when you don't have the repetition of seeing many different animals, you know, repeatedly to like, know from a gut reaction that, Oh, yep, that's a Tom, um, you know, or, you know, just having the confidence. So queuing in on those few distinguishing factors, like you said, like the beard and, um, the colors and stuff like that, I think that will help people. Yeah, definitely. Well, do you remember your first turkey? Can you can you tell us about that? How what that looked like? Um, yeah. So first turkey, um, like I said, I started with it. Another coworker from work. We hunted together two years, and um, we we didn't know what we were doing. And the first um, we got drawn for season A in Minnesota. You have season A through F, which is basically a one-week time period to hunt. Um, we happened to have a blizzard that came through that week. And so it made for hunting little rough conditions. Um, we were unsuccessful. We didn't know what we were doing. We set up in some land, some public land down by Chaska. And we just set up a blind, left it there, went back to it um, over the weekend. And what we should have been doing is probably been a little bit more aggressive. And since we were using shotguns, um, kind of going after a kind of a run and gun approach instead of just a, a stationary approach. Um, so we tried that for two years, no success. And then um, another friend from work, um, his parents live out in Lake Elmo and have 60 acres. And he said, hey, why don't you uh, come out here and go turkey hunting? So I went out there and met his parents and he showed us a few different spots where we could set up and we me and another buddy we set up there in two different ground blinds and we're just doing a little bit of calling um had one kind of come through in the morning didn't quite come in close enough and then it was about that um 10 o'clock in the morning time frame that i had one fired up came right into my decoys and um it happened to be just a little bit of wind wind so my decoy was spinning just a little bit and he kept kind of circling it to try to come straight on at my decoy. And so it gave me plenty of time to just draw back and I shot, went right through the heart and he dropped instantly. Nice. That's the way you draw it up right there. <laughs> yeah. So it sounds like that was a, that was bow hunting. So you, you both gun hunt and bow hunt for turkeys. Um, the first two years is when I, gun hunted um i was unsuccessful and then i decided to go bow hunting because in minnesota you get to hunt um the full season so from opening day to closing day anywhere in between with a gun you have to pick a season um it's about seven days and if you're unsuccessful in the season that you pick you do get the last 
two weeks of the season. Mm. So gun hunting and bow hunting, they're a little bit different in those aspects. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know that. Sorry, Mike. I didn't know that about oh, the, the last two weeks. That's interesting. So yeah. So if you get season a, but you're unsuccessful, then you get to also hunt the last two weeks. Yep. Yeah. I wow. think that was something new last year. And one thing new that they did this year, um, they removed the lottery. So before you'd have to go into a lottery if you wanted season A or B. Um, now it's just over the counter. You go in and say, I want season A or I want season B. You could wait until the day before. All of a sudden you get permission on this land and you see turkeys out there. You're like, all right, I'm going to buy my tag tonight and go out there tomorrow. That's awesome. Is that probably mostly likely because the the population is getting better or what? Or is it just a change they decided to make for um, I don't, like making it easier on hunters? Yeah. I'm not sure what the specifics are. Um, everywhere you go, you do see turkeys. So I'm, I know that the population is increasing. Um, I don't know if there was just not a ton of pressure in those two seasons, um, mm. but I'm glad that they did that. Um, to mentor hunters, that makes it a lot easier. Um, for an NWTF mentored hunt, usually we'd always do it that first weekend, um, or if Easter is that weekend, we do it the second weekend. And since that was always a lottery, we had to work with the DNR, get these people um, registered as a mentee beforehand so they could get that specific time frame. But now without that lottery system, it's pretty easy that you can just work with people all the time and say, hey, you can go out buy this tag, I can bring you this day. So you mentioned the the differences with how the seasons work for gun and uh, bow. What are the other kind of pros and cons of gun hunting turkeys versus bow hunting them? Um, gun hunting, it's, it's a little easier to be pretty aggressive and do kind of a run and gun type setup. Um, when I say run and gun, I just mean um, typically what I would do is you can either roost them at night, kind of close the distance, or um, one tactic that I've used kind of run and gun hunting when I've been bringing a mentor out with a gun is you get out to the land you're going to hunt pretty early, um, stand there, listen for that first gobble. Once you hear that first gobble, um, other turkeys will probably start gobbling, but you can start closing the distance. Just start out on a jog if you know the area or else just kind of start walking fairly fast to close that distance. Um, and then you can set up 100, 150 yards away where with a, with a bow, um, it's, it's a little bit harder to do that just because the turkey's eyesight is so incredibly good that they're very good at picking up any sort of movement. So without a blind, it's, it's very challenging to archery hunt but it is not impossible. Yeah, because so from what I'm hearing is that if you are bow hunting, that's usually when you would see somebody hunting out of a blind is if you're bow hunting because you need that to kind of mask the movement of your draw. And it's yeah. a, it'd be harder to be mobile that way because if you're going to call to a turkey, listen for a gobble, and then try to quickly make up 100 yards, you'd have to you know, quick pack up your ground blind and throw it over your shoulder and then try to set it back up if that's what you're trying to do or or even try to, like, build yourself a little ground blind in the, like, in the trees. It might be a little bit more of a laborious process. Yep, exactly. Where if you're using a shotgun, um, you have full head to toe camo and you just you can sit right next to a tree so you can set up anywhere um it's very easy to set up anywhere with a with a gun with a bow it's, it's a little bit harder um if you're hunting without a blind you you want to be hiding behind a, a big tree or a big shrub something to try to hide your movement yeah how about distance can you shoot uh, a turkey further away with a shotgun than you can a bow yeah, that's a good question. Um, so before you go out turkey hunting, you want to pattern your shotgun. Um, 
you can use just a standard shotgun with a, um, a full choke that's fairly standard. They do make special turkey chokes, and they also make um, special turkey ammunition. Um, usually it's like four shot, five shot, or six shot. Um, some loads, they have combinations, um, a four shot and a five shot. Um, so you want to pattern your shotgun, and they sell specific turkey targets. You want um, a fair amount of your pellets to hit the turkey's neck and head area. That's the kill zone when you're using a shotgun. Um, if you try to shoot a turkey with a shotgun like in the chest or if they're broadside, kind of in the wing, it probably won't go through because it has so many feathers. Um, so the range, it all depends on your shotgun um, and your pattern. Typically, you can get about 40 yards with a shotgun. I know that there's guys that they pattern their shotguns and they can shoot 60, 70 yards. That's that's a long shot. Yeah. So yeah, it's really knowing the ammunition you're putting in your gun and how that's shooting. <clears throat> with a bow, it, it also depends on how proficient you are. Um, I, I like to get them within 20 yards with a bow. And with a bow... There's multiple kill shots. Um, you can shoot for the body and go for the lung and the heart area. Um, it's a pretty small vital area. It's maybe a little bit smaller than the size of a tennis ball. Um, a good thing to do would be to Google um, different vital areas of a turkey. There's quite a few images. Um, if they're standing looking right at you, your shot will be right above the beard. Um, depends how good of a shot you are. You don't want to drop your shot at all because then you're cutting the beard. Um, if they are broadside, a good um, way to find where their vitals are is follow the, the base of the beard straight back and the leg straight up. And where those two points intersect is where those vitals are going to be. Mm. Um, and then if they're looking straight away from you, kind of right in the middle of the body, um, you'll go through their spine and most likely hit their vitals as well. Hmm. But you can also headshot or neck shot a turkey. Um, that's one thing that I've I've started doing. I've lost a turkey before because if you hit them in the breast, you're most likely not going to find that bird. Um, they may die eventually, but probably of infection. So with the headshot, it's a bright colored spot to aim. And it's about the same size as the vitals. Um, so it can be difficult because they can move their head quite a bit. But if you just are patient and if that turkey can stand still, the headshot's a great option. Yeah, I haven't had the, uh, I haven't been brave enough to try that out yet. But as you say, it's um, the same size target. Yeah. And what's really nice is if you miss, that bird's unaffected. Um, yeah. Two years ago, I had five toms, five hens, and a jake all come into my decoys, and um, I decided to go for the headshot. I missed the first shot. They kind of stood, looked around. I grabbed another arrow, and then I took another headshot. That he dropped right there. Um, but back to the range thing. Um, also talking about kind of the decoys. Um, when I set up for gun versus bow, I set the decoys a little bit different distances. Um, mm. I like to set my decoys when I'm bow hunting like five to at most 10 yards away. I try to keep them like five to seven yards just because if they end up hanging up, not fully committing, they can stop at about that 20 yard mark. Um, gun hunting, I say probably like five to 15, maybe 20 yards out, um, just because you have a little bit more range with the shotgun. And are you typically putting a decoys out every, in every situation, or are there times when you're not using decoys? Yeah, this is what's always confused me, so <laughs> I'm looking forward to this answer. Yeah. Um, not saying I do it right, but usually in the beginning of the season, um, I'll go with more decoys, kind of act like a bigger flock. So I'll have like three hens and a Jake decoy. Um, and then 
towards the end of the season, I just kind of like start pulling some out. Um, uh, there has been times where I've not used a decoy. Um, I like to, you don't have to use a decoy. Um, some people say it's good not to use one because as you're calling, um, that Tom will start kind of, he'll kind of pinpoint where you're at and he'll come in. And if he doesn't see a decoy, he'll just kind of start walking around looking, um, where sometimes if you use a decoy, he's going to stand up, hang up like 50 yards away. And he's just going to sit there and gobble because he wants you the hand decoy to come to him. So there's a little bit of pros and cons. It kind of depends on the situation on the Turkey. Um, Last year, the, the turkey that I got um, set up on this field, it was a group of three toms. I actually called them in the first day of the season, and I was determined to have my fiance shoot her first turkey. Um, she was uh, she had turkey fever and couldn't pull her bow back. <laughs> so uh, they came into our decoys. She couldn't pull her bow back. She, they were there for two minutes, and they walked off, and um, she ended up getting a a lone turkey the next day, but I tried to get one of those three um, most of the season. They would come through the field, but they would never come into the decoys. So how I ended up getting mine last year was I left my decoys in my blind right where it was, but I ran to the other side of the field and I just hid behind this huge oak tree with a bunch of brush around it. And I ended up just getting them as they were walking past in the afternoon. That's a good idea, actually. I never would have thought of that to have your to leave the decoys out and then just go further away from them, like yeah. where they might hang up. Yeah, that was the first yeah. time that I've actually seen that happen. Is I would see that see those three turkeys every time I was out, but they would always stay on the opposite side of the field, um, which was probably about 150 yards away. So when I saw them there. Earlier that day, I knew they were going to go back because I knew where they were roosting. So that's why I just set up on the other side of the field without any decoys because I knew they got um, a little decoy shy that first time that they came in. How about how about a like a strutter, a strutting Tom decoy or a strutting Jake? Do you use those at all? Um, I use them occasionally. I don't know if I've had super good success with them um just because it, it kind of depends on the turkey you're hunting um you kind of want to get an aggressive turkey to see that other strutter um usually i try to keep like a hen decoy with the strutter decoy um just kind of mock you know this fake decoy tom is trying to seduce this hen right here and try to fire up the real live Tom, he's going to see that, get mad, because this is his, his area, and come in. Mm-hmm. Um, some people use them with great success. I I haven't found really good success with them. I'd like to stick to mainly hen decoys and maybe just like a um, quarter strut Jake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, last year, the, the turkey that I shot, we had a strutting Jake out. And it, it worked out perfectly because there was a, a hen that was, I was sitting on the edge of a woods and there was a hen in the woods and I had my strutting Jake out in the field and there was, which I can only figure out after the fact, but that Tom that I was after must've been just following her down that edge. And then when he saw that strutting Jake, I mean, he came down at like a full sprint, like all puffed up like he was just gonna whoop some butt and uh he actually did he he kicked the crap out of that decoy for a, a good two or three minutes before i finally got a shot at him where he was standing still enough but that was pretty amazing to see to watch that turkey come in and then just beat the crap out of your decoy <laughs> yeah that's <is> pretty cool <laughs> they get pretty angry and then the other time jake you and i when when we were out we had a strutting tom out and uh, I guess long story short there is that we had I shot a turkey that we couldn't find. And so we took a break and went back and got lunch and we left our decoys out. And when we came back to our setup, our Tom decoy was like 
five feet away from where we had stood it and it was on its side <laughs> you remember that yeah. like, yep. holy cow something yeah. wants to come through you just got beat the up. crap out of our yeah. decoys um so. yeah i've heard of that happening quite a bit so when i leave i just take the decoys i put them in my blind um or if i have a bag just put it in the bag because i've heard from numerous friends that have had that happen that yep they leave to go grab lunch and tom must have saw them while they were gone and beat up their decoys <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, and I, I the lesson I learned from that too is that I mean it I had thought that was my first time the first weekend I've ever turkey hunted. I kinda thought like once you get to nine o'clock it's like all right, kinda like deer hunting. It's like you want that low light situation and then the midday for deer hunting is usually pretty slow. But yeah. if for turkeys it wasn't that way at all. Had we stayed in the ground blind for the for another couple hours, Jake and I probably could have had opportunities at a few other turkeys. So stay, yeah. stay out longer than, you know, go out till noon and then maybe go back out at three or whatever. Yeah, that's a really good point. Cause I was kind of in that same mindset when I first started turkey hunting too, is those first couple hours, this is when it's going to happen. That's like it is for deer hunting. Um, but no, truly any time of the day it can happen. My philosophy is more and more becoming just like if you've committed to hunting that day, like hunt the day, like just be out yeah. the whole time as much as you can because who who knows? I mean, there are general guidelines to how behavior works, but you know, we talk yeah. about it a lot with deer hunting. It's like, yeah, that it should happen in a low light, but there are times when if you're, you know, if you're in the tree, they could walk by. Um, yeah. So. And in the spring, I mean, um, there's no better place to take a nap than in the woods, right? So <laughs> you get out there in the morning, yeah. try to get it done. If all the toms are hand up, they don't come in, take a nap. Um, I got one two years ago. That's what happened. I took a nap. I woke up. Um, it was three years ago. But took a nap, woke up. It was 9.30, called, and I struck one up. I'm like, oh, here he comes. And sure enough, I called a couple times every time he responded a little bit closer and he strutted all the way across the field and in. Um, one other thing, I guess, should kind of mention difference between kind of deer hunting and turkey hunting is usually deer hunting, it's those cold fronts. Those are the magical days where um, turkey hunting is kind of the opposite. You want a warm front. They love bright, sunny days, um, nice, calm days. Um, like it a little cool in the morning and then warming up throughout the day and it just seems that the turkeys are a lot more active on those days hmm. that's interesting so maybe just the the sun off their feathers shines a little bit more brightly or something like that yeah yeah that's what my thoughts are how about just general gear I mean, we talked about ground blinds and stuff like that, but what what are the kind of the basic essentials that you need? And maybe keeping in mind that we're, you know, it can get expensive fast. Yeah. Some um, of the stuff. Yeah, you can do it as minimally as you want. Um, if you're shotgun hunting, I'd say you'd want full camo. Um, doesn't really matter too much what it is to your preference um a shotgun camo shotguns best you don't want a shiny shotgun because that might scare them away but um there's different tapes and whatnot you can put on your gun to camouflage them and like i said before you want a, a full choke um that works just fine um or if you want to spend money you can get a turkey choke and then a couple boxes of ammo to find out what shoots best um, besides that, having a call, um, there's many different types of calls, but just having, if you want to just get started buy one call, um, get proficient at it. If you can yelp with a call, um, that's enough to get a turkey fired up and bare minimum, that's all you need. Um, all this other stuff that us turkey hunters buy, it's it's because we want it. We don't truly need it. Um, all of our hunters love different gadgets and gear. And 
Um, turkey hunters are no different. Um, they make vests with a built-in pad. It makes your sits a lot more comfortable if you're sitting next to a tree. Um, my vest actually has a frame so with little legs I can kick out, so I don't need to be sitting against a tree. I can just sit in some long grass or next to some shrubs and be comfortable, um, but definitely not needed. Um, decoys, they're nice, but like I mentioned before, you don't need decoys. Um, as long as you sound like a turkey, sometimes without having that sight can be better because then the tom's going to walk around and look where um, that hen is at. Um, but if you want decoys, um, my best advice, just wait until after the season. If, if you really want decoys, that's typically when I buy mine as um, season is done at the end of May. About uh, June 15th to the end of June, you can find them online for half price. Um, and I um, like Avianex decoys. Um, they're kind of a mid to high level. There's Dave Scott decoys. Those are high level too. Um, they just look really real. You can use the budget end decoys if you want. Um, it's all on personal preference. With bow hunting... Um, a blind is really nice to have just because it conceals your movement. So you'd want a blind, you want a chair to be comfortable in. Um, obviously your bow setup. Um, I use just my standard broadheads that I use with deer. So either a fixed blade or a mechanical. If you want, they do sell guillotine broadheads. Um, I just, if you want to do that, make sure you shoot it and uh, make sure it's tuned and hitting where you want because those do have a tendency to move your point of impact. Mm -hmm. um, same goes with decoys and calls for bow hunting as well. Um, you need at least one call. You can actually call just with your natural voice if you want, but calls are nice. Yeah. Yeah. I think the other nice thing for turkeys is that like if you went to goodwill or something and found camouflage that would work just fine and they also they have like no sense of smell and so you don't really have to be super concerned about like making your clothing scent free you know yeah so i i think about like for me i don't want to use my turkey stuff and and as my deer hunting stuff, I don't want to use that because I don't want to affect how it smells for deer. So just having like a set of $5 pants and a $5 shirt for turkeys it works great. And you can find those at like a thrift store. Yeah, if turkeys had a sense of smell, they would be incredibly tough to hunt because they have incredible hearing and incredible eyesight already. Yeah. So. Luckily, they can't smell. Um, a couple other pieces of gear that um, not necessary, but I have found are really nice. Um, a pair of pruners. Um, if you want to sit next to a tree, it's nice to just quick, easy, trim up the branches that are around it. You can take those branches and shove them in the ground and kind of use them as a little bit of a, a natural ground blind there. Um, and another really nice thing to use is uh, permethrin. Um, this time mm -hmm. of year, ticks are coming out full bore, so um, you really want to protect yourself against any Lyme's disease or any other diseases that ticks carry. So um, this weekend, I have to dig out all my turkey hunting gear and spray down with permethrin. Um, usually, if you spray it down right towards the beginning, um, that permethrin is going to last throughout the whole season. It usually lasts about six weeks, I think is what the manufacturer recommends. Yeah, that's a good call because uh, last year I was out <laughs> and I was sitting down, you know, outside of a blind and I was absolutely covered in ticks. Um, it doesn't take long and <laughs> there's nothing no, that makes you... your skin crawl a little more than that. Yeah. You know, once you find that first one, you just got the creepy crawlies all day. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's a uh... I think it was last year my brother and i were doing a we were doing a run and gun style hunt with our bows and uh, i had permethrin on my clothing and he did not and we 
came out and he had like 70 something ticks on him. It was unbelievable. And I had six. Yeah. It makes the on world me. a difference. It was, it was actually pretty mm-hmm. gross. I've never seen that many ticks crawling on somebody ever. It was, it was like his camouflage was moving. There were so many Oof. on his clothing. It was so oh. gross. <laughs> so yeah, ticks are, ticks are bad in the spring. So be prepared. Another piece of gear that it's useful more towards later in the season, um, kind of in the bug theme, but uh, thermosel that really keeps the mosquitoes away. Um, I don't think it's too effective against ticks, um, but mosquitoes, those, um, depending on the spring in Minnesota, um, kind of middle of May towards the end of May, they're they're starting to come out pretty thick. So it's nice to have that thermosel running to keep them away. That's a good tip. That's something I'm going to add to my my uh, tool arsenal just because of that recommendation. I'd never thought of that before. Oh, and they're so versatile. Um, if you're just sitting out in some chairs in your yard, you can use it. Um, bring it camping. Um, we use ours quite a bit. And they're pretty cheap, and the refills aren't too expensive either. Well, we're talking about uh, protecting yourself and some, uh, you know, with ticks and stuff. But as we mentioned earlier in the show, uh, another big sort of item on everybody's minds is this COVID-19. How do you project or like what do you foresee the hunting opportunities to look like in in, uh, 2020 here? I mean, turkey hunting can be relatively solitary, but it is a social thing, like Mike said as well. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I kind of have mixed feelings um, because of the coronavirus situation. Um, our NWTF official mentored hunts have been canceled um, just because to, we want to limit that contact. Um, so we're leaving it up to each individual person. If you want to bring someone out, like go for it. But the NWTF doesn't want to um, support everyone kind of coming together. They don't want to be responsible for any of that. Um, So the official mentor hunts will hurt a little bit, but hopefully with kind of people working from home, um, being out of work and being cooped up, hopefully that's going to lead to people wanting to be outside and maybe trying turkey hunting for their first time. Yeah. Um, And I know there have been a couple states, I think Nebraska and Kansas, they have stopped selling um, state out-of-state licenses. So that's one way of that they're limiting um, people from coming into their state is just not selling the tags. Um, I think those are the only two states that I've heard of, um, but I could see other states kind of following suit. So that'll hurt kind of traveling hunters a little bit and um, maybe some of those guides in those states. Yeah, I think also when you're talking about providing more opportunity for people that are itching to get outside, this time of kind of quarantining at home, if you haven't taken taken your hunter's safety, it's a really good time to do that. I mean, you're going to be, it'll take you a, a, a week online to do it, you know, get that taken care of. Um, if you're younger You'd still have to do a field day, field day, which you can take care of once this whole thing blows over. But as long as you have the class part done, that's a nice little objective to meet um, yeah. as well. So um, I was talking to a friend of mine who was interested in getting out turkey hunting this spring and hadn't taken firearm safety. And I was like, well, if you're bored, go online, take the class. And they were like, that's a really good idea. So... Um, and then the other thing I'll mention too, is that there's something called the hunter apprentice validation. So if you don't have your firearm safety and you are thinking about getting out with somebody that does have their firearm safety, you can still hunt. And, um, as long as you have purchased a tag. So the way that works is if you don't have your firearm safety, you can get your hunter, um, hunter apprentice validation. It's $3 and 50 cents. 
And then you'd have to buy the turkey tag on top of that, which I believe is $27. So for about 30 bucks, you can, you can go out hunting with um, somebody else that has their um, firearm safety certificate. And then this time, I, you know, it might be a little bit more of a challenge to hunt with somebody else, but I think we could talk about some ways to get around that situation as well. Yeah, definitely. And I think right now it's it's a great time for uh, people to, if you can, right in your yard, get out and shoot your bow. Um, I've been out quite a bit. Um, I know some people don't have that luxury. You have to go to a, an archery range. I'm not sure if those are open yet or not. Um, but even if you're not turkey hunting, it's a, it's a great time that if you want to start kind of tweaking different setups on your bow or gun, it's um, there's no better time than now to take out all your gear and do yeah. inventory, see what you need and start tweaking things. Yeah. Jake and I were having a conversation a couple days ago about what that looks like for us for turkey hunting. Cause that's one of the reasons why I like turkey hunting is getting to hunt with other people, especially with you, Jake. So we're like, how are we going to do this? So what it, what it might look like is we have to drive separately to our hunting location and walk into the woods with six feet of space between us and then just not sharing a ground blind. You know, if somebody's bow hunting in the ground blind, then the other person is outside of it in full camo calling. You know, you kind of lose the conversation that's happening during the hunt, but at least you're still sharing memories with each other, you know, and that's really what it's all about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think with the opportunity to have like calling and shooting uh there's you know there's roles for both people um that can still keep you engaged and whatnot and i will be able to figure it out for sure but it'll it'll be a challenge might be a good opportunity to try some different tactics try some different things yeah but yeah yeah definitely that's those are my thoughts too is each person drives to the spot by themselves and you can set up at different trees or like you said if you're hard tree hunting and you have a ground blind, have the shooter inside the ground blind to hide their movement and the collar outside. Um, so there'll, there'll definitely be some, some challenges, but I think there's still ways to work around it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just important to not give up on it altogether, you know, which would be really easy to do. So like, Oh, I guess it's not going to happen this year, you know, but I think there's, you can still make it happen for sure. It's just going to look differently than you're used to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. and another challenge that I've found is just um, I just recently moved in January and um, I had tons, or I still have tons of permission to hunt where I used to live, but that's 45 minutes away from where I'm at now. Um, so I've been digitally scouting different spots right around me and um, I'm just really hesitant to go knock on someone's door right now, but just because yeah. um, I, I wouldn't want to open my door for somebody. So I, I wouldn't expect somebody else to open it for me. Um, so luckily I know um, a family friend, so I do have permission um, not too far away, but it's definitely um, a little bit of a challenge with the current situation. I never would have thought of that actually. The, the knocking door to door to find permission on somebody's private land. That... And maybe that's just in my head. Maybe it doesn't matter to someone. Um, but I just want to mention, I have found quite a bit of success just knocking on doors for turkey permission. Um, I found that it's a lot easier to get turkey permission than deer hunting permission, um, especially from a farmer. Turkeys do quite a bit of damage to their fields especially when they're planting and um, the new crops are sprouting up they can walk right down a row and just clean it out so usually the farmers are they're pretty happy the most of them will say hey take more than one but you're like hey dnr only lets me take one but <laughs> hopefully i'll get that yeah well that's awesome i mean it's really nice to to have something like this spring turkey season around the corner to look forward to good reason to get out and have a little bit of semblance of normalcy 
right now. Be be good for my my uh, mental health. <laughs> yeah, well, we appreciate you uh, joining us here today, Adrian, and kind of filling in some gaps, some some of the questions we have, and some of the questions our audience may have about turkey hunting. Um, yeah. And just being on to talk hunting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's nice yeah. to do that again. <laughs> yeah, it is. I can't wait to get back out in the woods. It's It's been too long. Yeah, definitely. Well, we have anything else we want to mention? No, I think that'll do it. Um, got some good baseline information and um, getting excited. Getting my gears going a little bit. I got to go check my garage and make sure everything's lined up for next week <laughs> yeah yeah wednesday will be here before we know it yep well cool uh yeah thanks again for joining us and uh good week good luck this season i should say uh, we want to hear if you're successful and if any of our listeners get out and do any turkey hunting send us a picture tag us on instagram or facebook uh, yeah send us an email let us know your stories we're excited to hear what you have to say so definitely all right thanks a lot guys take care yeah good luck take care